Portsmouth are in town on Saturday. Uh, we welcome the league leaders to the DW Stadium and welcoming Andy from PO4Cast. Uh, how are you doing, Andy? Not too bad. Thank you, Barry. Yeah, lovely to be here. We had a, a revelation moment just before starting recording where it clicked that the PO4 is the, the start of the postcode from Fratton Park. So we had a lovely Eureka moment on the Zoom call, which was very wholesome. So yeah, lovely to be here. Obviously, sad for you that we're now seeing you in the same league again. But uh, yeah, nice to have a chat. I love League One, so you know there's nothing sad about it. It's, it's the <laughs> best league in the uh, I, in England. I'll, I'll say. I'd that. agree with that. You know, I'd agree with that. You would do because you're you're top of the table. You've made an absolute brilliant start, unbeaten run of of twenty league games. Is it stretching back to last yeah. season? 19, 20, some, yeah, lots of draws in there. But yeah, you're not, you're not turning your nose up at 19 or 20 unbeaten, even if it is over, over two seasons. Yeah, I think that's correct. And is it the start you thought you was going to have? No, absolutely not. No. Looking at League One this year, I was really finding it difficult to predict, especially with teams such as yourself and Reading coming in in all sorts of weird situations and other teams as well. You're looking at teams like Fleetwood with off the field stuff going on. It's a very weird league this year in terms of off the field stuff and points deductions and transfer embargoes and protests and a lot of teams up there who are not who we predicted at the start of the season. So you're looking at Stevenage and Port Vale, for example. It's just a bit of a a confusing league. So I think prediction wise, I think I put us fourth for the end of the season in our preseason preview show. And I'm I'm very happy to be proved wrong if we can maintain the current run going, uh, get that invincible season on the road. I think most Portsmouth fans have been pleasantly surprised by the start of the season, bearing in mind quite a lot of squad turnover, losing a you know a decent number of our players to Ipswich Town over the last 12, 24 months. It's, it's a very pleasant surprise. And I think it was first day of the season, there were a few sort of unsure fans. I think we, we went a goal down. It was at home to Bristol Rovers and only equalised in injury time at the end of the game. And during that game, it was a little bit antsy to put it mildly and and from that late equaliser we've really we've built into the season and there have been some good performances there have been some slightly less incisive performances but on the days where the team haven't really turned up quite as much performance wise they've still managed to get something out of those games which is a bit of a difference between this season and last so yeah pleasantly surprised long may it continue personally looking at, at Pompey I always thought you've been looking for a manager who's a decent fit for quite a number of seasons now. Paul Cook, I thought, was a good fit for you, but obviously things didn't work out there. John Massinio's in now. Do you think he is that fit? Just to sort of highlight, you say things didn't work out there. I think we should be a little bit more precise from the Portsmouth side of things, where on a, I think it was on a Sunday, Paul Cook said, the only team I would leave Pompey for is Liverpool, ha ha ha, and then on Tuesday signed for Wigan Athletic. So I do think we need a bit of context in there. There's only 17 miles between the two clubs. Yeah, just just for context of uh, what didn't work out looked like. So that (laughs) left a slightly sour taste in some people's mouths. But yeah, in terms of the managerial fit, with Danny Cowley, we, we really thought we had cracked that. The Cowley brothers are pretty well regarded in football of just being two of the good guys. I don't think there's been a manager where the the crowd has wanted it to work out as much as we did with the Cowleys. And it was a genuine crying shame that it didn't work out with them. Uh, it looked like you know, they, they fairly clearly lost a decent chunk of the dressing room, which is a cliche, but you could see it in the interactions between the coaches and the players by the side of the pitch. You could see it in some of the shifts for pla- uh, the players were putting in. And then John Massinho's come in and you looked at some of the other names that were being flouted about on the, the bookies odds list. John Massinho was one that we had absolutely no idea about. I think he was doing his badges or he'd done a lot of his badges but he was still officially on the books as a centre-back for Oxford United at the time none of us had a clue what to expect 
you know what football fans are like, particularly particularly on social media. There was quite a lot of cynicism when he came in. Things like, you know, taking the cheap option, etc., being thrown around because there had been names like Chris Wilder in the mix. Um, however, optimistically, they were being thrown around. They were, you know, in the frame. There was kind of a, a voyage into the unknown and that fit does seem to be starting to to really click in. That he, he doesn't get too high. He doesn't get too low. He gives very honest interviews. So, I mean, there, there were performances this season where we picked up, say, a point in a game and he'll come away and say, look, great that we've got the point. However, it should have been more. So Derby County away, for example, 96th or 95th minute equaliser away at Pride Park. You can imagine, you know, what it's like when when you get that away from home limbs everywhere lots of excitement players getting a standing ovation as they go off and he retained his composure enough in the post-match interview to come out and say look yeah it feels like a point gained now tomorrow morning realistically this is going to objectively look a bit more like two points lost because we should have won the game based on the performance so he's got a, a sensible head on his shoulders he's not getting absolutely cut up when I say he doesn't get cut up when we lose we haven't really lost lost a huge amount under him so maybe that one is uh tbc but yeah the fan base seemed to like him he's young he's got you know lovely bright trainers on so you know going down the joey barton look but with none of the personality traits so he's onto a winner as far as we're concerned more than oxford i remember him playing for burnt albion and he was in a promotion push with us we went but we both went up in back in 2016 and he was a quite a good player for him there a cultured center half is the type of football you play that that type on the deck or is he more like a, a percentage base manager where he's lumping the balls forward no we're certainly not in the in the mold of lumping the ball the ball forward sort of ad hoc at the moment i think when the team does resort to that you see very quickly that Colby Bishop can look quite isolated. Where we look more dangerous is, you know, if we do resort to that that long ball to to Colby Bishop playing with players coming off him, we look a lot more dangerous when someone like Christian Sadie at ten or the wingers have actually managed to to get forward. More often than not, you'll see, I'd say, fairly patient build up play, looking for the gaps, and then as soon as you know they identify a gap, it's just ideally quick to the kill you know quick and incisive to create what I think we look most dangerous doing which is sort of low balls in from the wing so because we're playing those two two advanced winger roles we look particularly dangerous when they're driving into the box on the angle and a, a good number of Colby Bishop's goals are coming from sort of drilled crosses in from the wing or I mean other players outside of Colby Bishop as well so Regan Poole um, I think it was got one the other week just a drilled cross across uh, across the goal and that's probably where we look most dangerous. But it is quite nice football to watch, to be honest with you. Our chance creation has been good. Um, there have been a couple of games where it's looked rather drab. I, we so far have not really the claim we want as to be the only team that Cheltenham have managed to take a point off this season in a nil-nil draw. The context of that game is becoming more and more apparent uh, as we were at Fratton Park and yeah, scraped out a, a nasty, boring, convoluted nil-nil draw. And I mean, they've not scored. They've not picked up a point against anyone else, home or away. So there have been occasions where we've looked a little bit scrappy. Um, we've had a couple of issues with uh, discipline, a couple of red cards that have been slightly frustrating. But generally, the style of football has been really quite nice to watch. Like you actively look forward to our games, which certainly wasn't always the case in the latter stages of either the Danny Cowley or the, the Kenny Jacket eras, or arguably for quite a large proportion of the Kenny Jacket era, even when the results were were good. After Paul Cook, it was such an opposition in terms of sort of personality type and what we'd got used to. I mean, you know, all your listeners know what Paul Cook was like, sort of the raspy, aggressive, 
heart on his sleeve. You know, you can see the veins popping out of his head and the high blood pressure on the touchline. And then you've got Kenny Jacket, who looks exactly the same when we concede a 95th minute equaliser as he did. I think it was his birthday and we scored a 94th minute winner away in the FA Cup against Norwich. And he looked like someone had just stolen his cat. Like he looked fed up. It was a bit of a, a, a change for us. And I think a lot of us struggled to adapt with that. And I think at one point he used the phrase, you know, it was a good way to lose. And I think that was kind of his breaking point with the fan base. As soon as the manager comes out and says that it was a good way to lose a game, you know, when you're playing same league opposition, you're, you're not really coming back from it. So um, I've, I've pretty much forgotten what your question was, to be honest with you, Barry. But yeah, Kenny Jacket never really got people on side, unfortunately. Um, although obviously we did we did pick up silverware under him, um, which was a lovely day out at Wembley. Yes, indeed. Indeed. Before we got talking about Kenny Jacket, uh, you mentioned Colby Bishop. Oh, he played just up the road from here at Accrington. Uh, he was a player that I used to admire for Accrington. I thought he was a, a lively forward. He scored a lot of goals last season for you. He's, he's kicked off in a similar vein this season. Is he your main goal threat? The short answer to that is yes, absolutely. He, um, I think it was, was it Dion Charles he had a nice partnership with down at Accrington? And he, he was one of those signings that came in. I think we picked him up with some of the money we got from Marcus Harness leaving for Ipswich from memory. And he's come in and just hit the ground running. It's the the first time we've had really what I would call a, a performing, reliable goal scorer, you know, since the the Brett Pittman days. Um, so he is a, a huge threat around the box. We have quite a lot of frustration with the fact he, like a lot of number nines, he doesn't seem to get much from referees in this league. I think he gets pulled around all over the place and he does give a bit back, but he doesn't get a fair a fair gist of it. But he's one of those players that you can see as a, a thoroughly nice bloke off the field, but a complete pain in the backside to play against. I mean, he, he scored that last minute equaliser against Derby and then he's a Nottingham Forest fan. So he did sort of a bow and arrow Nottingham celebration just to wind up the Pride Park crowd even more. He scored last week. Um, as the ball went into the net, you could see him just sort of ducking down and shouting and laughing in the defender's face who was sort of face down in the mud there's just a lot of attitude there which you do like to see from the stand it gives you a bit of confidence and yeah as I mentioned earlier he he can get isolated if the supporting players aren't high enough up the pitch when that has happened to his credit John Massinho has managed to fix that in game thus far but there are times in the first 30-40 minutes of the game before a system is tweaked that can be the case and he does get visibly frustrated when that is the case but um, yeah really good goal scoring threat if you give him too much space he genuinely will punish you when you and when you look at the, some of the strikers that Pompey have had through our our gates over the last four to five seasons, some of whom are now actually doing quite well in you know in the championship or in League One and just haven't fired. Colby Bishop's won the fan base over. He is comfortably our our biggest goal scoring threat. I think he was our first striker to hit twenty goals in a season since Brett Pittman uh, last time out. And yeah, we'll we'll punish you. And one of those players that just needs a split second to change a game and we'll be quiet for 30, 35 minutes. And then suddenly, you know, you still don't feel like you've seen him, but he's on the score sheet. So yeah, very, very dangerous. While we're on players, who else should we be looking out for on Saturday? As Latics fans, who's going to entertain us? Entertaining? Ooh. I don't know about entertain. Well, potentially Paddy Lane, who's scored two in his last two. He was probably the only player I would say had a fairly ordinary game in that Derby County game where we had actually a really good team performance, but it just didn't, sit right for him that was three games ago now had a a fairly poor game against Derby County and has bounced back and scored in both of our last two games it'll be fairly obvious I think within the first 10 minutes whether it's his day or not maybe a little bit less spectacular but uh, Regan Poole 
playing at centre-back. He's not a League One centre-back. He is a championship centre-back. We're getting similar vibes to when when Matt Clark was playing centre-back for us and we were like, we need to enjoy this while this lasts because this isn't going to last very long. And then Matt, Matt Clark then went off to, I think, Brighton and was loaned out to Derby and has been playing at a good level since. So I feel like Regan Poole is one of those players that if we don't get promoted with him, he is going to get promoted without us. Uh, that's the vibe I get anyway in, in the imminent future. Uh, really comfortable on the ball, defensive positioning excellent, and has um, chimed in with a, a couple of goals recently as well. So quite dangerous with his head from set pieces. Number five, definitely worth keeping an eye on. In terms of quality, Bishop and Poole are the two that would stand out. Um, and then I don't know if he's going to be back, but Zach Swanson has missed our last couple of games uh, for personal reasons. I'm not sure whether he's going to be back for this this game of this weekend. He's been mega the last few games, uh, technically filling in at right back for Joe Rafferty, but he's kind of made the made the position his own. And I think it's kind of been a blessing in disguise for John Massinho that Swanson was away for personal reasons when Joe Rafferty came back because um, he hasn't had to make a decision on who to start at right back. But Swanson is he's young. We signed him on a permanent deal from Arsenal and um, I think made a bit of a name for himself. We played Spurs in the FA Cup and, and lost 1-0. I'm I'm genuinely not exaggerating. I was watching the game live and he genuinely had Son in his pocket for most of the game. Like, don't get me wrong, we did not dominate that game in any way, shape or form. But Swanson versus Son was probably the only position on the pitch that you could really make a good claim that, you know, the Portsmouth player had the better game. So he made a name, a name for himself there and he's just excelling this season. And it's, it's really nice to see, to be honest with you, because he's on a permanent and he's a young player and he could have a, a really good future in the side. So if Swanson's back and starting, do keep an eye on him as well. Finally, Andy, uh, two questions. Are you going to go up this season? And give us a score prediction for Saturday, please. In terms of going up, it's very difficult to answer this and then not sound like an idiot in 37 games time, but we'll give it a, we'll give it a go. I'm actually going to say yes. I don't know how much of that is sort of blind naivety and, and optimism. This time last year, after eight games, we were top of the table. There is some squad overlap between last season and this, uh, this season. I am optimistically hoping that lessons have been learned. I think the dressing room is a happier place than it was last season. I think that there's potentially a bit more squad depth than there was last season. I think League One as a whole is weaker than it was last season. And I'm hoping that the accumulation of those factors means that I'm not saying we're going to walk the league and you know do the invincible season. We're not. There are going to be ruts. Let's face it, it's League One. And it's very unusual, barring last year, for one or two teams to run away with it. I do think we'll go up. I'm desperately hoping we avoid the playoffs because I think well, it's our 125th year anniversary this year as a club. And I'm I'm 99% sure that we've never won a playoff tie in 125 years in any league. And that, that's a tie. That's like, a, sorry, a leg. Never mind a tie, never mind a semi-final over two legs. So yeah, quite keen to avoid the playoffs. Yeah. Um, so yeah, hopefully first or second will be lovely. And in terms of the game this weekend, we're going away. I, I genuinely think it's going to be one of the, probably the toughest away days of the year on paper. And time will tell whether that's the case in on the pitch itself. Having said that, you're coming into the game uh, off a, a suboptimal result, let's call it, um, against Bristol Rovers. And I feel like I need to give the side enough credit. They're coming into this game, you know, 19-20 unbeaten. I think it would be disingenuous of me to predict a Pompey defeat. I think I've got to give them a bit of credit. I'd actually be fairly happy, fairly content with a draw from this game. But absolute blind faith, optimism, all of those things that every football fan has at 2.59 on a Saturday and is gone by 5.30 on a Saturday. I'll go with a 2-1 Portsmouth win. 
I think you've got enough going forward that there is a, a good potential for us conceding. Our XA is slightly higher than our actual goals conceded. Will Norris has done a good good job in goal, but we are fallible defensively. I can see you scoring, but I, I'll go with a 2-1 Pompey win. Again, it's not very imaginative, but potentially Colby Bishop with them both or Poole going 3-3 three and three, or Camera playing on the, on the left wing cutting in and scoring so i've named what three goal scorers for two goals but i'm an odds man so uh we'll go with it <laughs> well andy it's been an absolute pleasure thank you very much safe journey to all those pompey fans coming up and let's hope that unbeaten run does in fact end yeah agree to disagree on that barry <laughs> thank you very much uh, cheers andy thank you 